Matthew 5 this morning, please. Let's take our Bibles. We'll turn to Matthew 5 this morning. We'll pick up our study through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the first great discourse or first uh, great sermon of Christ. Uh, We'll pick it up here this morning in uh, chapter 5. We'll start in verse 12 and we'll, oh Lord willing, make our way down to about verse 20 or so. I want to just uh, remind us where we left off and and set the stage here, Brother Steve. Uh, reestablish the context, if you will. So we've just finished our study through the first part of this sermon, the Beatitudes, and looked at things that the Lord desires, and we've understood this in relationship to the millennium, but that these are things that God would certainly desire in our lives today and desire to bless, evidently, today also. And if you look back in verse 10, uh, this this is the immediate context for the things Uh, that we'll see today. Here at the end of the Beatitudes, Christ promised a blessing uh, for those who suffer persecution for his sake. Look at verse 10, 11, and 12 with me. There, uh, Jesus said, blessed are they, happy are they, literally, right, that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, uh, do you look forward to the kingdom of heaven this morning? Do you, church? I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, that's our hope. And uh, I understand from, from this verse that believers, those who are on their way to the kingdom of heaven, can reasonably expect some degree of persecution uh, this side of heaven. Verse 11, the Lord continues, Blessed are ye, all of them, all of us, when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. Uh, for whose sake? For the Lord's sake, he says, for my sake. Uh, he says, rejoice, verse 12. So this is the Lord's command regarding our response when people persecute us, revile us, harass us uh, for our faith in Christ. He's, he commands us, he says, rejoice. Don't be dragged down by that. Instead, rejoice and be what? What are the next two words? What are they? Exceeding glad. Be glad. Lord, how can I do that? Well, he says, listen, understand this, and don't lose sight of this. He says, for great is your what? Where? In heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. That's the Lord's promise. When you endure persecution for him, there's a great reward that's promised to us. The Lord reminds us also that we're in good company when we suffer persecution. He says, for so persecuted they the prophets... Uh, which were before you. Okay, we're, we're in good company if, if we suffer any kind of harassment, persecution, whatever it is, uh, belittling for our faith. Gary, I think I offered this last week also, and I, you know, here's, here's a thought. If, if we've never suffered any kind of harassment or belittling or mockery for our faith, we probably need to be a little bit more public about our faith, right? We probably need to be a little bit more public about it, and uh, this morning, this morning we'll see the Lord, in fact, does encourage, uh, dare I say, command, sister, <laughs> that we be uh, very public about our faith. We'll see here this morning, uh, the Lord's going to move on right on the heels of this teaching about persecution and, and, and harassment. Uh, he says, listen, essentially what he says is despite that, despite the fact that uh, if you're going to be public about your faith, you can reasonably expect some harassment from people who don't yet know Christ from the world, uh, despite that, the Lord says, listen, you need to be the salt of the earth and the what? What's the second? The light light of the world, right? Calls us. He says, you, you are this. As, as people who are in Christ, 
You need to understand that you are this. That, that's who you are. You're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And he says, you need to understand that. You need to recognize what that means and be that, uh, despite, despite the fact that uh, someone might pick on you, Brother Gary. Someone might belittle you. And in, in days coming, may, maybe, maybe something more serious than that. Uh, were you online this morning with us in Sunday school? Um, I want to encourage you, if you weren't able to do that, go back and go back and take a look at that. Brother Ray, we have everything. Uh, live stream is working, right? Praise God, the sound system is working and live stream is working. And thank you uh, for your efforts yesterday to get that all restored. Poor Brother Ray is very, very um, invisible up there until there is a problem. And we have a pretty big problem on Wednesday night, but it's fixed. We praise God for that. Thank you, brother, for all of your efforts. This morning in Sunday school, we saw uh, Peter and the apostles uh, were arrested again for preaching Christ, right? And they, they had been warned previously, Peter and John had been warned previously, if you continue to preach the name of Christ, uh, what? You know, we're, we're going to come back after you again, we're three in jail again, and uh, they, they go on to debate whether or not they should kill them for that. But uh, despite the fact that they had been arrested, despite the fact, Brother Art, they had been persecuted for preaching Christ, what did they do? They just go back home and throw their scriptures away and forget about the Lord? They didn't do that, did they? What did they do? They just kept preaching, amen? They just kept sharing the gospel. They just kept sharing Christ with whomever would listen, and they got arrested again. Uh, and this morning in Acts chapter 5, what, what do we see? The, the, the Lord rescued them from that jail, just exactly as the Lord will do later on for Paul and, and ministry team, right? And the Lord commanded them through the angel of the Lord there, right? You get yourselves back over to the temple and do what? What, what did he say? What did he say? Zach, what did he say? Get yourself back over. Get, go on, get back over to the temple and do what? You continue to teach and preach the word of God. Uh, they were in jail for that. They had just been jailed again for that. And more of the apostles evidently had been jailed. Uh, all of them, it seems, were, were, were jailed for doing just that. And yet the Lord said, you get back over there and, and you do that. Um, and what did they do? They said, no, Lord, not going to do that. They went back. Did they do that? No, they, 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 they got themselves over to the temple. They started teaching and preaching the word of God. And, and, you know, every time they do that, people get saved, right? The word of God does not return void. Uh, it just doesn't. It's, it's power. It's quick. It's powerful. Uh, but it took men who were willing to endure very real persecution, more than just mockery or belittling or being alienated from their Jewish family and friends and neighbors, powers that be. Uh, they, they had to be willing to suffer some real persecution, being jailed. They'll be threatened with possibility of death, but they just keep doing what the Lord has called them to do, uh, being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Uh, are we called to do the same? Are we? We absolutely are. We absolutely are. And we need to be wise about that, as we said last week. We need to pray for wisdom, but we also need to pray for grace and, and for courage to just keep giving out the gospel, to just keep sharing the gospel, what's the consequence if we don't? What would be the con if, if churches like this say, you know what, the cost for giving out the gospel, Jesus Christ, and cost for preaching the whole counsel of God is just too high. What will happen? What will happen if we stop doing that, church? What will happen? 
people will die and go to hell. Is hell real? According to the Bible, it is. Marilyn, how do I know how to be saved? It's, it's the Bible, right? It, it's the Bible. How do I know it's hell? hell is real? Because the Bible teaches more about hell than heaven. It's real. And you don't burn up there and just, you know, you're suffering. It's, it's eternal, right? It's, it's eternal. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the ultimate consequence. God's called us to, to share the I can't get anyone saved, Brother Richard, but I can do my part to share the gospel uh, with courage and, and strength from the Lord and, and his words. Uh, I can do that. So we see here this morning, right in the heels of, of Jesus preaching blessings for believers that, heal, uh, that suffer persecution, uh, he says, you need to keep going forward. <laughs> you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna suffer some degree of persecution, different mounts at different times in history. You'll be blessed for that. You'll be in good company historically. And you're going to continue to go out and be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let's stand together if you're able to. I want to read. Uh, stand together if you're able to. We'll read here this morning uh, from... Matthew 5, 12, down through, we'll read down through verse 20. I don't know if we'll get that quite that far this morning, but let's read these verses. We'll pray, and then we'll jump in here to this passage. So Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, beginning in verse, uh, beginning in verse 12 this morning. Uh, we saw already, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they uh, the prophets which were before you. Right on the heels of that. No transition. Jesus says, verse 13, he preaches, ye are the salt of the earth. He says, you are that, believers. But if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth what? What does it say? That's what the Bible says, good for nothing, uh, but to be cast out uh, and to be trodden underfoot of men. So that's, that's one illustration the Lord uses about uh, our call to be his public representatives, his missionaries to this lost world. Uh, we're called to be salt. We are that. And then in verse 14, the 14, Lord uses another illustration. He says, ye, by the way, grammatically, ye is who? Church is everybody, right? Everybody who he was speaking to there, grammatically. It's not just an old-fashioned Elizabethan pronoun. It represents, it translates the underlying word, which is plural. It was all of them, and it's all of us. Uh, he says, ye are the light of the world. And then the Lord says, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. Verse 15, he continues, he says, neither do men light a candle uh, and put it under a bushel. Anybody have bushel baskets? My grandparents had this great big giant garden, and they had bushel baskets. I don't think those are around anymore, are they? Uh, you wouldn't light a candle and put it under a bushel basket. Well, it'd catch on fire for one, <laughs> but it would, it, would, it would hide the light, right? It would hide the light. Uh, but a candlestick, you put a candle on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Well, what do we do with that, Lord? Well, he says in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and, here's the ultimate end, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Lord, help us to glorify you this morning. Uh, I'm going to stop there. We, we may get further than that this morning, but I'll stop uh, reading there. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning, uh, Lord, for the 
Uh, you prepare us for the life that you've called us to. You've given us the gospel. Uh, you've shown us how to be saved, how to be in Christ. Uh, you've shown us the importance of being members of a church and uh, active in the ministries of our church as you call and enable us. Uh, Lord, you've shown us this morning in, uh, in this passage that uh, you intend to bless obedience. And uh, you've, you've lovingly shared with us, revealed to us that we can expect to be persecuted as believers who have gone before us uh, have been. And Lord, you, you've, you've commanded us to rejoice and, and be glad and to be aware of the reward in heaven. Lord, thank you that we can rejoice and be glad and be aware of our reward in heaven when we endure suffering for you. And Lord, I thank you again this morning that right on the heels of that uh, is if you, <laughs> you uh, anticipate that we might be disinclined to share the gospel because of persecution, you remind us that we are the salt of the world and we are, we are the light of the world. Lord, you've, you've made us that and you've called us to be that. And so, Lord, this morning, I, I pray that we get a hold of, of this idea. There are really one idea expressed two ways. Lord, I understand that. Uh, I pray this morning that we, we get a hold of this idea again. We're, we're saved uh, for a purpose. Lord, we're saved for a purpose, and a big part of that purpose is to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us this morning to understand and appreciate and yield ourselves to that uh, call. Lord, I pray that you'll help me now, that you'll work here now for your honor and glory. Lord, I love you and thank you and pray this now uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, are you the salt of the earth, church? <laughs> are you that? That's what we, the Lord says we are. are. Are we the light of the world? The Lord uh, says we are. Well, that's, that's good to know. Let's, let's understand some of the significance of these uh, statements this morning. By the way, isn't it an amazing privilege to have this uh, sermon, this great discourse that Christ preached, written down and preserved for us, and to be able to hold it in our hands? It's not just a, a great sermon from a great preacher. That would be a privilege to have that uh, in your hands. But these, these are the words of Christ, amen? This is a sermon that Christ preached uh, to people in, in his day there in the first century, uh, I know he's looking ahead to the millennium and, and giving things for the millennium, but uh, also preserving these things between here and, and, and there so that we, we can live according to these same things as well. What, what an amazing privilege. Uh, what an amazing privilege. Number one this morning, Jesus likens believers to salt. Uh, he likens us uh, or illustrates our, uh, our purpose in the world today, or one of them at least. He, he likens us uh, to salt. Uh, this is what we are called to be. Uh, he'll, he'll, so I want, I want to see that. So he, he shows us what we are in his eyes. Uh, and then in the next part of that same verse, what we are to avoid. So he said, listen, this is what you are, uh, your salt. Uh, you're to avoid what? Losing your, your saltiness. So let, let's understand that this morning. Um, do you have a refrigerator in your house? Do you? Praise God, Baptists. <laughs> yeah, we have, a, we have refrigerators in our houses, and, and we're thankful for that. We don't, we don't have to preserve our food the way that food would have been preserved back uh, in the first century and, and before that. How did they do that when they didn't have refrigeration? What did they use? Salt was the thing, right? 
uh, pickles are preserved in salt still a lot of times, right? There could be other preservatives in there today, but uh, salt is a, is a preservative. Uh, we understand that. It, uh, it has power to preserve uh, and to protect uh, food, meat, fish, uh, all those things were, were just caked with salt. And people learned to do that because it, it protected things from spoiling, from, uh, from corruption. And uh, it's with that understanding that, that these hearing these words in the first century would have understood that uh, the Lord is using this idea of salt, which would have been so common uh, and so familiar to them to teach them that uh, just like salt would preserve uh, a fish, maybe, that they caught in the Sea of Galilee, uh, protect it from corruption, that the believers, the, those that had repented of sin and come to faith in Christ, uh, those that have been preserved from punishment for their sin uh, by Christ, are called, in a sense, to be a preservative in the world. That's, that's the idea, right? Uh, they're, they're called to exert, uh, let me try that again, Gary, they're called to exert uh, a righteous influence in the world. Uh, they're, they're called to influence the world righteously uh, for Christ, in a sense, to preserve the world uh, from all of the corruption of sin by doing what? Uh, I, I, what, what, what would change the world today? Uh, what, what would preserve the world today from uh, greater consequences for all the sin that fills the world today? Understand the curse that's upon creation since the fall of man is, is going to remain un until the millennium. I understand that, but uh, is, is the world filled with consequences of sin today? It is, right? And not just the curse. I mean, as, as men, uh, as people stray further and further from God and his words uh, and stray further and further into uh, sinful philosophies and sinful lifestyles, uh, we see a world that is increasingly filled up with the consequences uh, of sin, practically, spiritually. Uh, our, our culture, is, the wickedness that permeates uh, our culture, uh, our media, the way people would talk this morning with one of our church ladies about how people talk to each other uh, today. There's, there's no love and, and there's no respect and, and, and language is just peppered. Now we have salt and pepper, I guess, Marilyn. Uh, peppered with profanity and just ick and, 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 and wickedness. And uh, you, you see this, the world is just filled with uh, the corruption and the consequences of sin. Jesus says, listen, uh, saved people, uh, saved people need to be people who will influence the world for Christ. Is that your calling this morning? Isn't that the great commission, right? Go, uh, go and, and, and teach uh, and, and baptize uh, and, and teach all, all the words of God. Uh, we're, we're called to be people who go and teach the gospel and baptize a new believer into the membership of the church and then teach them all of God's words, live according uh, to all of God's words. Does that change someone's life? Has, it, has your life been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ? Has it been? Has it been changed a little or a lot? <laughs> has it been changed a lot? Well, praise God. What happens to a, a, a town a state, a, a nation, a, a world, if a lot of people are changed a lot. What happens, what happens to a nation if a lot of people get saved uh, and, and change individually? What, what happens? Is there a change? There's a change. 
Uh, a culture can be preserved for, from increasingly greater wickedness uh, as individuals are changed uh, by, by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, things can change. Understand that the Lord has told us to expect that our, our world is on a trajectory, which is not a good tra trajectory. Uh, men's hearts will wax worse and worse, and, uh, and the world will get worse and worse, in, in a sense, until uh, the rapture and then the tribulation that follows, the return of Christ, and uh, Christ will usher in his millennial reign. And then things get <laughs> dramatically better, but understand we're on, we're on a trajectory, a downward trajectory. By the way, is that different than what the world teaches? Is the, do the, the philosophical systems that are, that are prevalent today teach that things are getting worse and worse and worse or that man is getting better and better and better? It's the latter, isn't it? The world believes that uh, man is getting better and better and better and there's things we can do apart from God uh, to promote, the, in a sense, the evolution of man, society, and culture. Uh, this goal of, of socialism. By the way, I'm reading a really interesting book about, about Karl Marx. Do you know who Marx is? Do you know who he is? He, he and Engels are the originators of communism, right? Sort of the ultimate, most far left expression of socialism. Um, and um, you've, you've seen what happens when, when nations take up communism, right? What happens when nations take up extreme socialism uh, and, and communism. What, what, what has happened historically? What has happened historically? Nothing good, right? Millions of people die. It's estimated that more than 100 million people died under communist regimes in the last century. Is that a lot of people? You better believe that that's a lot of people. Uh, and just, you know, destruction of societies, cultures, and, and, and the, the murder of millions of people. Uh, who, who do you suppose desires the, the killing of that many people more than anyone else? Satan. Is he real, by the way? Absolutely, he is. Uh, he is. Uh, the book that I'm reading uh, reveals the religious background of Karl Marx and his, uh, his, uh, the people that he hung out with uh, in his time. They were atheists. Uh, they were atheists, but what's very interesting is that they were atheists um, who pointed to Satan as an example of a, uh, a rebel uh, who was to be held up as, as an example of, of breaking with the past and ushering in something new. Uh, that would take rebellion. Uh, they, they were atheists. Uh, they, they were atheists who understood, who desired to change the world through atheism and a political and economic system that would be better aligned with atheism than with Christianity. Uh, people need to understand that. I'll probably, I probably won't be able to help myself. I'll share more, more insights with that. But this extreme leftism, socialism, and, and communism has at its very root a rejection of God. You need to understand that. At its very root, uh, it has uh, the rejection of God uh, and a profound uh, atheism. Um, that's, that's where the world can go when people reject uh, the Lord, when, when people reject Christ and take up man-made systems and philosophies in, in place of what God teaches uh, in his wor word, uh, the world goes to an extremely bad place. We've seen that in the last hundred years. Uh, that, it's just a fact. It's, it's a historical fact. We see it in, uh, in recent modern history. Uh, in contrast to that, the Lord says, listen, believers, 
Uh, you're the salt of the world. You are to engage the world with the truth of God's words, which includes the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to be those who would thereby preserve the world of uh, running in the opposite direction and, and, and taking up the worst, most antichrist ideas, uh, leading to the, the end uh, of those ideas that we've seen in modern history just uh, in the past uh, 70 years. Uh, forget, a, forget a century, just, just in, the past, in, in the past 50 years even, we've seen terrible, tragic consequences of taking up antichrist atheism and the, the, the uh, political and, and economic ideas that just fit with that. Have you noticed that certain things just fit well together uh, in life? Have you noticed that? Peanut butter and jelly, sister. It just fits, right? It just fits. Do, you, do anybody here not like peanut butter and jelly? I always knew there was something about Ben and Gary, but I didn't, I didn't expect it, it was that severe. Certain things just fit together. Certain styles of music and certain messages. Uh, certain religious ideas and certain philosoph philosophical ideas. Certain religious ideas and certain political ideas. They just fit together. Why is that? Well, we don't have time to go into all that today, but it's just true. You, you know it's true. Some things just fit well together and some things don't. Uh, we are called to be a people who influence our world with the truth of the word of God and, and the truth of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the gospel. Let's just look at a couple of ideas here in Scripture. Uh, back, if you study the sacrifices, uh, all of the Old Testament sacrifices involve salt. You see that in Leviticus 2 and verse 13. Those Old Testament sacrifices pictured who, by the way? Church? Christ. All of them, right? They, they pictured the, the ultimate fulfillment uh, in, in Christ. Uh, they all, the law required that salt be used in all of them. Uh, the heave offering that we see in Numbers 18, you do not need to go there, uh, is called a statute forever, and it was also called a covenant of salt. That's very interesting. And I don't know when we studied through uh, numbers not that long back on Wednesday nights, I'm not sure that we really stopped and, and, and spent much time on that, but that's very interesting uh, in this context. The Lord's covenant, is, uh, an everlasting covenant is called the covenant of salt. Uh, it's, it's one that would be preserved by God uh, and by his people as they obeyed the word of God. Uh, and all of that pictures the coming of Christ, uh, the ultimate sacrifice, uh, for, for God's people, uh, preserving his people from punishment in a very real hell. Uh, and his people, those people now called to go out into the world uh, and to preserve uh, the world from the influence of sin, which happens when we preach the gospel uh, and the forgiveness of sin and the change that takes place in the lives of individuals uh, when they take up the gospel and repeat that process. Uh, by the way, when that happens, things just work, amen? When that happens, th things just work. And so you see this idea all the way back in Leviticus uh, and in, in Numbers, and it's just very interesting, this, this, this idea, this, this theme or this imagery 
uh, of salt. It's very interesting. Uh, so we see what we are, what we're called to be, is, is salt. Uh, those that will preserve pe- the, the, the world uh, through the influence of the gospel, uh, preserving believers from, from hell as they come to Christ, uh, and, and greater numbers of people preserving the culture from going down the wrong road to the worst end, uh, as we've seen so many times in modern history. Uh, the middle of verse 13 says this, but, so here's a, here's a point of contrast, right? But... If the salt has lost, have lost its savor, if the salt loses its saltiness, uh, wherewith shall it be salted? Uh, who's going to influence the world if the salt loses its saltiness? Who's going who's to be the preservative uh, for people sharing the gospel and influencing the world uh, if, if those who have the saltiness lose their saltiness? How's that going to happen? He says, uh, what, but what if the salt, let me try again. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Then the Lord says, it is therefore what? What is the next three words good for? Nothing. That doesn't sound good. But to be cast out and to be trodden under foot uh, of men. Understand, Rich, that um, salt, where does salt come from? Where does it come from? Where does it come from? Yeah, I'm talking about literal salt. <laughs> Where do you get it from? It comes from the earth, right? Um, where, where I grew up in upstate New York. I was trying to decide how to describe it. I didn't forget where I grew up. <laughs> Corn and cow country, right? Right near us were the Retsoff salt mines. It was mined out of the earth, right? And um, if you weren't careful in how you mined it out, it could be filled with all kinds of uh, dirt, uh, corruption, <laughs> ironically, right? This thing that's used as a preservative, if you don't take care to protect it from corruption, uh, it gets mixed with earth and all kind of dirt and, and, and different stuff. And so that when you go to use it, it has less of an effect than it normally would because it's mixed. This thing that's supposed to be preserved has already been polluted, (laughs) mixed with uh, things that adulterate it and corrupt it, prevent it from being uh, pure. Jesus says, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it, the world, be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trotted under foot of men. I understand in Bible times, sometimes salt was mined out of the earth and it was used kind of the way we use gravel in a path. I'm not exactly sure why that would be. Didn't snow a lot, didn't get real icy a lot like it did here today. Uh, but, but that was the case. And uh, if it was particularly impure, it literally couldn't be used for anything but in a gravel-like way where people would, it just had no use other than to be kind of a walkway, to be, uh, to be walked upon, not having its greater use because it had been uh, filled with impurities, li- literally the, the stuff of the world or, or the earth. Do you understand the implication of that? It, it would seem to me that Lord is saying, listen, if, if you who are called, who are the salt of the earth, those that desire to be influencing the world and the culture with the gospel of Christ, if you don't protect yourself from the impurities of the world, if you, if you don't protect yourself from being uh, mixed into all the ick of the world, pictured here as the earth, right, dirt, 
Uh, if you let yourself get dirtied up with worldliness, your effectiveness as the salt that the Lord has called us to be is what? Is it improved or is it harmed? It's harmed. He says, you need to know that you are the salt. And nothing's going to change that, but your effectiveness at being that for Christ can be greatly harmed if, if you'll let the, the junk of the world be mixed into your life. You're just not going to be as effective as Christ has called you to be. It's very different. To, it, let, me, let me say that again. It's very difficult to go to someone and say, listen, uh, here's, here's the gospel. Uh, if you're not living a life that, that presents Christ and, and the gospel in, in a righteous way. Amen? You can't, you can't live a life that's just filled with ick and dirtiness uh, and, and, and think that God is going to be able to use you uh, to change someone's life or to change the world for Christ. Uh, you could try, uh, you could try, but, but God uses people who, who what? Who keep themselves separate from the world uh, so that they can be used more usefully uh, by the world. You can't combine yourself with the world and think you're going to be as effective for the Lord uh, as, as we can. What does that point to? What, what does that point? Well, it points to this biblical idea of separation. and uh, That's not something Baptist people made up. It's, it, it's a biblical idea. We understand we're, we're called to be separate from the world. Yes, we're in the world, but we're called to keep ourselves separate from uh, the wickedness of the world, to uh, be careful about uh, what we set before our eyes, to be careful about what we allow into our ears, to be careful about where we allow our feet to go, to be careful about the things that we uh, participate in and, and don't participate in, uh, to have some standards in our life that reflect the desires of God as communicated to us in the Word of God, uh, to keep ourselves separate so we don't get muddied up with worldly stuff and thereby become less salty for the Lord. Uh, if someone said, hey, you're, you're a pretty salty Christian, you say, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. Yes, I am. Uh, don't let your ick get on me. <laughs> don't say that. Don't say that. Um, does this stuff matter, by the way? Does it matter? Does it matter? Yeah, because this is what the Lord desires. Uh, he says, ye are the salt of the earth. Know that. He made us that. Take great care to not let your saltiness be corrupted or diminished or diluted by getting mixed up with the stuff of the world. We're called to be separate from that, to come out of the world, to come into a church, to be uh, vibrant members of a vibrant church who understand our calling from the Lord and uh, people who pursue that as individuals uh, and it corporately as members of a church like this one. Are we a perfect church? So go ahead and say it. No, we, don't, we know that. We can't be. Uh, are we trying to be a biblical church? Yes, you know that. Uh, will we be a perfect church in heaven? Amen, we will be. That's part of our hope. That's part of our hope. It's a good hope. Well, there's a similar idea here. Look at verse 14. Uh, I guess this would be big number two. Uh, Jesus likens believers to light. So just like he likened us to salt, um, and you're salty, stay salty. He likens us to light. Light a good thing? Is light a good thing? I like light. 
What happens this time of year when there's less light? Anybody struggle with that? You struggle with that at all? You pray for more light? I, I, I just read that there's a very serious effort underway to, to do away with um, daylight savings time, or basically to make daylight savings time the regular time zone. Did you see that? Would that give us more light all the time? I don't know. If, if it does, praise God, we'll take it, right? <laughs> uh, when, there's, when there's less light, how do you feel? How do you feel? We're all about feelings here, right? When, when there's less day, when it's getting dark at 4 o'clock, you know, does that feel good? It doesn't feel good at all, right? It doesn't feel good at all. So light, light's a good thing. Uh, of course, the Lord here is, is using light uh, as a reference to spiritual enlightenment, right? The, the shining light upon truth. Um, by the way, if you shine light on truth, you expose what? Darkness. <laughs> you, expose, you expose falsehood when you shine light on truth. That, that's a good thing. Um, is, truth, um, is truth objective, meaning that it applies to all people of all times, no matter their situation? Does Bi is Bible truth objective truth? Church? Is it? That's how the Lord pre presents it, right? Bible truth is, I understand there's dispensations and, and, and those types of things, but what God has said is true, uh, was true when he said it, it's still true, uh, it's true for every person, in every point of time, in every place, and nothing ever changes that. That's very different than the, the, what the world is teaching uh, in terms of a philosophy of truth, right? Today we have moral relativism and, and the idea that truth varies. And uh, what's true for Brother Richard may not be true for Sister Carol. And that's okay because they're different people uh, in different places in the world, same time. Uh, but they have different situations. And so her truth may be different from his truth. And that's okay. That's what the world says, right? That's a falsehood objectively period end of story that's not truth it's it's not truth i have a little book you can find it or i'll, I'll give it to you that i worked on recently about about truth uh and the nature of truth according to the bible uh i praise god that we can know what is truth according to god and what is not because we have the word of god preserved for us on, even until now amen you have that in your King James Bible, the inspired and preserved words of God, all of them accurately, very accurately translated for us. And uh, I just praise God for that. Ye, Jesus says, ye, all of them and all of us believers, we are the light of the world. That's a good thing. That sounds like a good thing. It also sounds like a tall order. Uh, in Ephesians 5, 8, Paul told the Ephesian church, ye were sometimes darkness. He says, you know what, church members, you used to be darkness. You used to be in the dark. You didn't know what the truth was. You didn't have the light. Uh, you, were, you were in darkness. Your thinking, your philosophy, your heart, everything about you was dark. Uh, you, were, you didn't have Christ. You had not yet been enlightened by the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, but now are ye light in the Lord. Uh, he says, walk as children of light. Therefore, walk as children of light. Walk in the light that you've, you've received. Uh, we have to be commanded to do that. Philippians 2, Paul told Philippian church members, be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse, there we go, perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. 
are, are we are we living in a you know I don't I don't like to cast aspersions at our nation are you thankful for this nation and its history man I am boy boy but I understand our, our culture has become increasingly wicked and more perverse uh, and also understand from verses like Philippians 2.15 that we who have received the light are called to shine as lights in this nation and in this world. This is the same idea as we saw in, in verse 13. You're called to be the salt. You're called to be the light. Uh, you're called to have an influence to keep yourself separate from the influence of the world so that you can be an influence for Christ uh, and, and, and to literally shed light upon truth. Uh, how, 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 do you, how do you carry out that salty influence? Well, you carry out that salty influence by shining the light on truth for people so that they can see error, so that they can understand the error of sin and the consequence of sin, so that they can see the way of escape from sin uh, and the consequences of sin. How many ways are there to escape the consequences of sin? You know, if you go in a dark room and you, you turn on a flashlight, is that, does that illuminate multiple ways of escape from the consequence of sin? Does the Bible teach that? The Bible teach, hey, there's many ways to escape the consequence of sin. Uh, there's Mormonism, there's Catholicism, there's Hinduism. Zach, there's Islam, right? There's Buddhism. What else? I read that... Um, the new executive cabinet is the most religiously diverse cabinet in the history of our nation. And I don't, I don't make a political statement there, I'm not trying to offend anyone politically, but um, that's being lauded as a great, um, a, a great accomplishment. It's being lauded as a great accomplishment. It's being held, um, and you can say, well, sure, okay, we, fine, but, it's being held up as an accomplishment with the suggestion being that all faiths are equally uh, acceptable to God and provide equally valid paths out of sin and the consequence of sin to God in heaven. That's, that's the implication. Is that the truth? It's not the truth. I, you know what? I've said before many times, and I'll say it again. I wish that was true. Because if it was true, many more people would escape the consequence of a very real hell and know for sure that they were on their way to heaven. I wish that was true. You know, I wish we didn't have to send people around the world to preach the gospel to people who uh, have been caught up in other different faiths. Um, they just stay here. But it's, we've been called to go out and, and take the truth to people who don't have the truth because without the truth, there is no escape from the consequence of sin. That's what Jesus said, he is what? He is the way, the one and only, the truth, the one and only, and the life, the only way. The only way to have spiritual life is through the one and only way, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. Are we being prideful if we, if we teach that? Are we being ethnocentric? Are, you know, are we doing great harm to other cultures by tearing down their, their belief systems and harming their culture by polluting their world with this outside influence of the Bible and the Lord Jesus Christ? Are, are we doing terrible harm to cultures 
uh, and, and hurting those people? No, we're literally pulling them out of the fires of hell, are we not? That's just the fact. There is, maybe we're harming their culture. I'd rather harm their culture than see them burn in eternal hellfire. Amen? Church? Um, being salt will change a culture. <laughs> Lord's not interested in preserving what is already corrupt. He's interested in changing what is corrupt and then preserving it for him. Um, have you been saved? You have been. Is your salvation being preserved by the Spirit of God? Amen. Uh, that changes your world. It changes your own little microculture <laughs> and enables you to be a preserving influence within the world. Um, light reveals truth and danger and the way of escape from spiritual danger. And make a couple notes here, please. We'll be done shortly. Uh, John 12 and verse 35, Jesus said, While ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you, he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. <laughs> Why do we have to be the light? Because people who are in the darkness don't know. <laughs> they don't know that they don't have the light. They don't know where they're going. They don't know that they're on a road that leads to hell and a lake of fire. They don't know that. They don't have the light, so they don't know where they are and, and where they're going. Uh, I was looking I've uh, been studying through the Gospels for the college class that I'm teaching. And uh, in Luke 2, where, where Jesus is brought to the temple to be dedicated, uh, remember Simeon? Uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus meet Simeon there at the temple in Luke 2. Uh, he rejoiced that Christ is, quote, a light uh, to lighten the Gentiles. Well, praise God, that's me. <laughs> I know we have some, some people who were born into Judaism here this morning, but I'm not one of them. I'm, I'm a Gentile. Uh, Christ is a light that gives light to the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel also. Praise God. Uh, praise God. He, he's a light for me. Take down this reference, John 8 and verse 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me not shall walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He, let me try that again. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Praise God. Uh, praise God. Um, since you've been saved, have you had a greater understanding of the word of God? I understand we struggle with certain things, but yeah, the Holy, the Holy Spirit gave you light regarding how to be saved, convicted us of sin, uh, convinced us that Jesus is the only way, the Bible is true, uh, and enlightens scripture to us uh, over time. Praise God for that. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 6, write that down, please. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 6, the Bible says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. By the way, what was the first thing God created back in Genesis chapter 1? First thing, light. Isn't that interesting? Before the sun and the moon? Yep. How did he do that? He's God. That's how. For God, who commandeth the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Have you been enlightened to truth by the Lord Jesus Christ? Praise God. Praise God. Because ye are the light of the world. Know that. 
know that. He says, a city that is set on a hill uh, cannot be hid. Uh, you, if you're the light that you're supposed to be, it cannot be hid. Um, a city that is set on a hill at night when there's light can't be hid. Uh, people will see it because there's light there. Uh, we have light. People are going to see it to some extent um, unless what? Uh, Gary, if you light a light and you hide it somewhere, you know, if you turn on a flashlight but you hide it under your jacket, uh, are people going to see that? Well, not as much, right? Uh, so there's verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Um, we are called to be people who don't hide the light that we have, but share the light that we have. We're, we're not going to be the salty influence in the world, on the world for Christ as he desires, uh, unless we share lovingly, lovingly share uh, the light that we have uh, as Christ desires. Um, will that sometimes come with consequences? Will it? Well, the last couple of verses before these two verses show us that. Yeah. What do you see in Acts 4 and Acts 5? Consequences. Is the Lord there working and protecting and enabling men to go forward despite the consequences the world is throwing at? Yes. Yes. Neither do men light a light put under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. By the way, why did Jesus have to preach that? Why did he have to preach, uh, hey, you are the light, but be reminded that men don't light a candle and put it under a bushel. They light a candle and put it on a candlestick so that people, why did Jesus have to preach that? Why did he have to preach that? It's because we our, our temptation uh, which can become a, a tendency or a habit, is to do just that, right? Is to do just that. Do you possess the greatest truth that has ever been possessed by anyone in all of human history? You do, don't you? Now, all kinds of people searching for all kinds of truth about all kinds of things, and, and that's fine. But don't you already possess the greatest, most valuable truth that anyone has ever possessed? It's the gospel, right? Death, burial, resurrection of the biblical Christ, our, our Savior. You possess the greatest truth that has, the, the brightest light, the greatest, most valuable thing that anyone has ever possessed. By the way, no one's poor here, amen? You possess the greatest, most valuable thing that anyone has ever possessed. Um, our natural inclination, if we're not careful, is to hold on to it, uh, to not share it. Uh, why? Well, it might go back to the two verses before. We're afraid what will happen if we do that. We're afraid that people will make fun of us uh, at best and, and, and maybe worse than that. It'll affect my relationship with my family. Now, that's a valid concern. I understand that. Christ talk, taught about that. Affect my relationships at work. That, that could be. You've got to be wise about that. Uh, people, people will make fun. People will belittle me. People will think less of me. May I ask you a question? Uh, does that matter? What, what matters the most? What matters more to you? Uh, how Christ views your obedience or what the world thinks about your obedience? What matters more to you? Does this matter more? 
I mean, you do good to kind of, Lord, show me my heart. What really matters more to me? I mean, it's easy to say I should value how God views my obedience to him a lot more than how the world, lost people, view my obedience to him. But if we're honest at times, we understand that what we actually care more about is this, right? Isn't that why this verse has to be here? Because that's a, that's a natural tendency that flows up out of our pride, right? If you are consumed by what people think of you and your obedience, if, if you're consumed, I, you know, if I let my light shine, if I'm out there being salty and letting my light shine, people are going to think I'm weird, Maybe you are weird, amen? You're called to be peculiar, right? Amen? Um, what's at the root of that kind of care and concern? Isn't it pride? I care what people think about me more than I care what God thinks. Which is, I mean, Lord help us. Or help us put off that prideful interest in how, you know, other people think about us and be far more concerned with how the Lord views us. He views me as righteous, completely righteous, because of the blood of Christ, right? And, and yet, somehow my sin can still grieve the Spirit of God. Both of those statements are true, by the way. Lord, help us. <laughs> Show me my heart this morning, Lord. Show me my heart. If, if, if I'm unwilling to, when I have an opportunity to wisely share the gospel with someone at work, if I hold back from that because I'm concerned about how that person will think about me, Lord, help me. Lord, Lord help me. Pray that. God, give me courage. Give me grace. Give me a desire to be salt and to share the light that you've given me. Because uh, I need that from you, Lord. Uh, when, when Peter uh, and John were uh, arrested and then first freed, what did they do? What was the first thing they did? Do you remember back in chapter 4? They, they got to the church and they prayed, right? They had that big corporate prayer meeting. And, and they prayed for courage. <laughs> they prayed that God would help them. And despite the threat to them, they, they prayed for courage uh, and the ability to just keep doing what God wanted them to do, despite the practical threat to them. Uh, why did the Holy Spirit have, have Luke to write that down? It's because we need that. God knows us. He knows me better than I know me. I often say my wife knows me better than I know me, and that's true, by the way. She knows me a lot better. Gary, she can look right into my spirit and know my motivations better than I know them. But God knows me better than both of us. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Lord, help us to be willing to share the light that we have, the gospel. Uh, verse 16, to let our light so shine before men uh, that they may see, Jesus said, your, our good works, that they, they could see the, the light that we have. And that this would what? We're going to stop here at the end of verse 16. That, that they would ultimately what as a result of this? Glorify who? God, glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, the problem is too often we want to be glorified. We want people to think good of us. We want people to respect us. No, I want God to be pleased with me. I want God to be pleased with me. 
Uh, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you this morning for this passage. Lord, there's great and encouraging truth here, but there's also great conviction uh, in these words. Lord, I, I thank you this morning for the encouraging truth. You've made us the salt of the earth, and you've given us light and made us light. You've accomplished that. Lord, you've called us to keep ourselves separate from worldliness, that we not lose our saltiness. And Lord, you've called us to not hide, pridefully hide, the light that you've given us. Well, Lord, help us to do those two things. I pray this morning, Father, that you search our hearts. If we've allowed ourselves to be too entangled in worldly things, and that's affecting our saltiness, Lord, convict us of that. You know the specific thing in each life, in each heart. Lord, show us that and give us grace to confess that this morning to you and to turn from it, to repent, to forsake it, to really leave it behind for you that our influence not be diminished by our worldliness. Lord, you know this morning that you've made us light, you've given us light, you've made us light. And yet we pridefully, fearing man rather than fearing you hide our light that we not suffer an ill opinion of man lord show us that if, if we're struggling in that area today convict us of that search our hearts give us a heart this morning to seek your help to put that wrong thinking off and to put on humble obedience to you in its place. Lord, I need to pray these same things that I'm encouraging others to pray this morning. And I pray you search my heart. Show me wrong motives and wrong concerns in my own heart. Lord, we pray this morning that you give us hearts to be the salt, to reach others and to influence the world for Christ. Lord, that you help us to take the light that you've given us, to not hide it, but to shine it forth with courage from you, with strength and power from you, with a willingness to share the gospel from the Bible with whomever you give us opportunity to do so. Lord, for you, Lord, for you. Lord, I thank you this morning when we do. You bless us. <laughs> you bless us. You bless us with new brothers and sisters in Christ. You bless us with the joy of seeing people rescued from the fires of hell. You bless us with the privilege to disciple new believers, to baptize them into the church and lead them into a place of service. Lord, that's an encouragement. That's a blessing to us. And I can only imagine what a blessing it is for you. Lord, we love you this morning. Give you a moment uh, to pray right where you are. Do whatever business with the Lord you, you feel you need to this morning. We'll pray and take a moment and then we'll close. Father, I thank you this morning that you've not hidden 
what you want us to think or do, that's easy to know. We struggle more, Father, with doing what we know to do. I thank you this morning that we can pray and ask you for grace, strength from you to take up the things that we see in your word. Lord, we can come and say, I don't have a desire to do that and, and pray for a desire. Lord, we can come and pray, Lord, I, I don't have the strength to do that. We can come and pray for strength and trust you to supply what is needed. Lord, not for salvation, but because we are saved and for your glory. Lord, I thank you this morning that safe, baptized church members who take up your word and walk according to it and, and serve you despite the consequences of men can look ahead to reward in heaven, eternal rewards that will bring you great pleasure, honor, and glory throughout eternity. Lord, I love you this morning. Thank you so very much for your love. Lord, I understand this morning that you've called saved people to love you back with our obedience to you. Lord, help us to do just that. Father, I love you. I thank you so very much for my church. Thank you this morning for visitors, for returning visitors, and maybe a first-time visitor also. We're grateful, Father. Lord, we're grateful. Thank you. I pray a blessing for each one. Lord, be with us as we go throughout our day today. Help us to keep in mind the things we've seen for your honor and for your glory. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.